The Kaplan Community Podcast is a place to catch up with Kaplan Business School alumni. We talk about life after graduation, what we're doing now, careers, opportunities, and future plans. This podcast is exciting because it features alumni who have made amazing transitions. I'm Kieran Howard, the Alumni and Industry Partnerships Manager at KBS. And my name is Dr. Richard Stager, the MBA Course Director at KBS. Hi, my name is Mai Huang and I'm from Vietnam. So I'm a graduated um, student from Kaplan Business School in Brisbane. And um, currently I'm working as a sales associate at Optus. Hi, welcome to the Kaplan Community Podcast. Today we have Mai Huang. She studied in Brisbane campus, the Bachelor of Business, Hospitality and Tourism Management and graduated class of 2019. How are you doing today, Mai? I'm very well. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, May, for joining us for this episode. It's going to be really an interesting conversation about uh, your life in Perth. My, actually, I'm very interested to know more. So you were explaining that you originally came, when you came from Vietnam, you came to live in Perth, and then you went to study in Brisbane. Now yeah. you're returned to Perth. I've been interested in Perth ever since we opened a campus there, actually, last year. I have been hoping to go and visit someday. So what is it like in Perth? It's actually, Perth is, as you know, WA is one of the largest states in Australia. And Perth is a very quiet city comparing to other cities. Because I used to live in Brisbane for almost two years. So for me, Brisbane life is very quite um, a bit crowded and rushing in terms of living lifestyle. So I think Perth is very quite relaxed lifestyle. And you, you can see, you know, you can find so many green spaces that I, I have to say a quality of the life in Perth is quite good comparing to any stage that I have been. So nearly every suburb has a large park or sports, communities, house, which mods have gyms or indoor pool, indoor activities. Second thing, I think Perth is quite safe and security as well. And the living cost is quite affordable as well for a student who's who just come to Australia for study or sometime for people just come to Australia for, for living. So I think Perth is quite good. I, I live in Sydney, so Richard does as well. And whenever I visit Brisbane, I always think, wow, it's so laid back and relaxed here. And well, you know, because compared to, compared to Sydney, it's sort of a fast paced city here. So, so now I really have to visit Perth and, and see what it's like. Do you have any favorite activities to do there or, or things to visit? I like to um, go to any of the park in the city, in the CBD, to having, um, you know, just some fresh air, doing a bit of, you know, barbecue with my family or my friends. Perth is a lovely city. And Kieran, you would relate to Perth because it reminds you of California in a funny way. You go to the Fremantle and sit on the beach and you watch the sunset and it will remind you of sitting on the West Coast in California. So you would like Perth. And, and my favorite thing to do in Perth when I'm there, May, I love running around the, you know where the Swan River is and they've created a running track around it? Yes, I do. What's it called? And, um, New Point. They have like, as you said, they have a track for people just go walking around or running for exercises. 
it's very refreshing. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I always, that's my favorite thing to do aside from eating dinner on the beach and watching the sunset, which we can't do in Sydney because it's sunrise or running around that Swan River. My, you said that you were there with your family, which is fantastic. So did you come with them from Vietnam or do you have a, who's your family here? Firstly, I have my auntie and my sister. So my sister came um, seven years before me. So I came to Perth um, to start uh, as a uni student, but like my sister came um, when she was in high school. So I came here. I have support from my auntie and my sister. And then I met my husband in here as well um, during English course. So we were both start together and then we um, both moved to Brisbane to do uni in Kaplan and then we both came back. That's wonderful. That's a wonderful story that, that you were able to bring your family and, and also meet somebody here. And, uh, and now I'd like to know about your, about your career. I, I know that you work at Optus because we actually have another guest who who works at Optus as well. She said good things about them. So can you tell us what do you do there? Um, so I'm currently working as a sales associate at Optus. So basically my job is to assist um, customer in the finding a right product and service to suit their needs by explaining the benefits and uses of various items to make them satisfy the service. Also, um, I think the very um, the hardest things is like to achieve the KBI and target every month. You have a very job. What is your favorite part to do in the job? I think my my most favorite, and also um, why I like to be a sales associate because I'm a person who's quite keen on the flexibility, daily learning. Um, seeking for opportunities and also reach for success. And that, that's all the features is come to the sales, you know, come to the sales jobs. I think that I'm quite good in a communication skill and I like to speak to people, explaining to them, um, you know, all, like the information that they, they don't know and assist them, like assisting them with all the queries or like to say, I like to build more relationships in, in the business environment. So I used to be in, in sales, my, not, not retail sales, but when I got to Australia, I, I was in business development and I loved it. My favorite part was the feeling of closing a sale, a new client or, or a sponsorship. Then I think an important skill for a salesperson is called getting someone over the line. So you've got, it could be a lead or it could be a customer that you're talking to. You've spent some time with somebody and, and you're nurturing the relationship. Do you have any, is there a secret or, or some advice for how do you close? How do you get the interested person to actually buy? To say if it's a secret, I don't, I don't think I have an, any secret. Because I think um, once you come to sales, right, at first you have to quite good at communication skill. Like um, you have to know what are you talking about. It's just not, you know, talking in whatever. I think that you have to have an ability to see through that customer what they really need 
because sometimes customer just comes in, right? And then they just ask for very normal inquiry. But then you you from that normal inquiry, basic inquiry, then you find, okay, probably you need that. And I think and how to build that ability that you have to have a good, you have to be a good listener as well. I do have a lot of customers. Sometimes they just come, but they're afraid to share their problem. So I think that's the time that you can close the sales. Oh, I love that. I love that. To be a good salesperson, you have to listen. That that makes a lot of sense, Mai. I think that's really interesting. And you also, Mai, mentioned KPIs. And, and for me, I know that sales can be even sometimes a high pressure sort of job because, well, all, all jobs have KPIs. Sales often has a lot of emphasis on targets. So you have a weekly, monthly target, yearly target. How do you respond to targets, Mai? I have met my first target in my fifth month. So the fourth month is during that whole month. I just been practice from what I have learned. And then I seeking from the senior mentor as well, a senior staff. So um, every week, how many I need to achieve that, achieve this, if I don't, what I need to do. So I make it very clear for myself. And I think, and I still keep doing that until today. And I think that a very good way, um, you know, to manage and achieve KPI. And I think that's possible. I was scared to death of my KPI until I learned one thing through hard experience. And that's exactly what you've just said. Learning just how to have a natural conversation and then recognize the opportunities to sell. How do you start that conversation? How do you... How do you get over that initial fear that I think we all feel about approaching a brand new customer and, and going beyond just the hello, can I help you? I, I always start my conversation with, you know, very basic conversation. I, I don't got just straight away come and ask them, okay, we got that product, product, product. And then, you know, I want to say that for you because sometimes you will make the customer a bit overwhelming. They was like, oh, no. Um, yeah, so I like to start my conversations is um, very in a simple way. So like, hey, how are you? We, I, I got that like F-O-R-D, which is like family, occupation, lifestyle. I like to ask all the questions related to their life and also um, their occupation, um, what they normally do during their meantime. So in all that, information, then I can tailor the best product to offer to them. Karen, do you have a model like that? You know, family, occupation, free time? Actually, I've never heard of that one. It's, it's really good. And I, I've never heard of the acronym, but, uh, but I definitely like it. I always knew that, um, well, basically, you, you've talked about sort of the difference between the hard sell and the soft sell. And I would often go into things related to lifestyle first before occupation. And the more you can get somebody to talk outside of business, the more you end up developing more of a friendly relationship. And I find that actually is often a, well, it was often more, more successful when I was in, in business development. I'm interested, my. So you've talked about your, your retail sales work. 
and it seems like you really are progressing your skills. So what career progression do you see for yourself a bit longer term? Are there skills you want to learn or a certain job that you want to get eventually? I would like to be one of the area manager for Optus. I still need to working on the work-life balance because I'm, I'm a very brand new parent and I still get a little bit struggling with what I have done right now, which is come back to work and then also um, be ready for being a full-time mother as well. That's, I think, a very, a very first thing that I still need to learn. And secondly, that I still think that I need to learn how to be a good um, management um, in terms of, you know, not manage my my self-work and also manage um, other people, leading other people um, to reach the success and also time management to say. Time management is so important, particularly being a new parent. So when you've got that work-life balance, what's the biggest challenge that you have there? Flood of, I, I call it the flood of emotions. So it's including um, stressful, not only at work, but then come home. Um, so I think, first of all, um, you you need to fully set to down that it, are you really ready for work yet? Like for me, right? Um, I I have like six six months. That's the thing that whether I'm ready for work or not. Because sometimes you know, if you just think today, okay, you're ready, but it seems like tomorrow you're not ready. So I have to set to down myself for six months that you know I'm I'm fully be aware of. Okay, I'm come back to work and I'm I'm really ready. I respect that you've taken the time to make the decision in six months if you're ready to go back to work. That's an intelligent decision. Are you ready to go back to work? And I remember your story reminded me of my son. He was about three years old and we dropped him off at daycare and all our hearts were just torn apart to leave him. And he would cry so hard and we'd go off to work and just wreck our day until one morning, not too long after we started preschool, our daycare, we, I, I looked around the corner and he was crying until he thought I was out of sight. And then he was laughing and playing with toys and having great fun with the kids. And then I realized that it's not as actually as hard that he was just putting on a show for me. And my question is, what is the favorite part for you of being a parent? I think it makes me grow up um, since I have been baby. So I think a little bit realistic because I actually step into a real life. It's not, you know, um, real life fairy tale. It's not, it's not, you know, because before that, during my um, student life, I just keep thinking that, okay, I have a lot of time to um, think about my career after I after I graduate, I have a lot of time to go out. I just go out if I want to, you know, go to work. And like I, I'll be a bit more freedom and flexible, but then after I got a job, then I think that I'll quite grow up. I I now I can put everything in order, and I can do I I'm quite multi multitasking as well. May multitasking people have written books about multitasking. We've had movies about multitasking. Have a baby and you learn how to do it straight away. 
I know, right? Yeah, I I definitely agree about that. My, I think it's just so impressive how you're obvious, obviously an amazing multitasker, and and I just love that you have the wisdom to to self evaluate to such a degree about about when you're able to to return to work and and how you're coping with things. And I'm I love that you've shared your experience, Richard. Actually, I'm interested if you have any other tips as as a, an experienced parent. What you would recommend to somebody who's who's new or or learning to multitask with a child? Probably one of my favorite stories. It was actually a heartbreaking story, but I was in a in a business meeting, and it was really important. And I and the executives were in the room, and I had my one big chance in this presentation to make an impact. And I really wanted to have the good impression. I was really well prepared. And I was about 15 minutes into an hour long presentation and my mobile phone rang and I look at it and it's my son's preschool. So in the middle of the, in 15 minutes into the presentation, I say, excuse me, I need to take this telephone call. I turn away and my son is ill. And I have to pick him up straight away. So I had to turn to the executive and look him straight in the eye. And with some bit, bit of fear and trepidation, I said, I'm sorry, but my colleague is going to have to take over. My son is ill. I'm going to have to leave the meeting. Please excuse me. And they looked at me and they were a bit old fashioned and they kind of grumbled a little bit. And I thought, oh, I'm in the taxi going to pick up my son. And I'm thinking, you know, I've really just probably not done myself very good in, in the next year's annual review. And then I thought, how selfish is that, Richard? That's a terrible thing. I should be there for my son rather than for my job. So I picked myself up. I got my confidence going again. The next day, I looked the executive in the eye and I said, I'm sorry I missed it, but I had a competing priority and I had to manage what I thought was the most important at the time. And he looked me straight in the eye back and he said, had you done anything less, I would have been disappointed. And from then on, I knew that, that I was made for parenting. That insecurity of balancing work and life went away. And I started getting, I started, started understanding what balance meant rather than just work or life. I'd actually like to ask both you and Kieran, picking work-life balance, you actually have to leave a legacy. So I've been thinking for quite a while, what is your legacy when you reach middle age or old age? So in 20 or 30 years time, for both May and, and Kieran, what would you like to be known for? Being a really successful business person, being really successful in the community, or being a really good mother or father? If you could only pick one, which would it be? Kieran, you want to go first? Well, you know, I think it may be harder to answer as I haven't walked down that path yet of, of parenthood. But in truth, I think number three, the the... The mother and father, as in it, it seems like one of the biggest ways to actually make an impact in the world, if, if that's something you want to do. As in, it, that, that's a big value of mine. And, and you can do that through business. You can do that through working with the community. But I do believe that if you have a huge impact on somebody else's life, like a child, then that is one way to influence the world for for the better that that you have some control over. Um, so maybe ask me in a few years too. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I totally agree with um, Kieran. So if I only can choose one, then I, I'll, I would choose number three as well. Because for me, families is always is the most priority. But then you, you must be most successful in your family, in your child eyes first. Then that is is all already a, the very the the most successful things in your life. I agree with you guys. I would pick. I did pick number three. So I'm at the other end of the spectrum. My sons are 24 and 20, and I can re- look back and be and remember being absolutely scared of being a father. It was so much responsibility. So Kieran, when you say that you would, you think you would be a, a good parent. I didn't, I actually doubted myself at first and I learned how to be a good parent. And it, my only regret is that I didn't become a parent earlier or, you know, younger in, in my, in my life. My, it's fantastic that you've done some volunteer work while you were a student. I always highly recommend that. I know we do at KBS. Of course, students have to make sure that it's a fair working situation, but internships can be, they can be like gold on a resume. It's such a good way to, to build up your experience and and get that reference. So good on you for, for doing that. You know, you can always still talk to the careers advisors, even as a graduate, you're welcome to to go and talk to them too. So that's why um, during my uni time, I, apply for any of the volunteer work and I'll, and also I, I don't mind if it's the pay work or not because um, so that's why it looks my CV a little bit better as well because like you know volunteering work is is very important you, you never know because some of the volunteer work can connect you with some sort of business people that they might interesting about you. So just take every chance, chances or take every opportunity to learn. My, it's been a real pleasure to get to know you more. And I think Richard and I are both excited about your future plans and prospects. We definitely hope to see you on, on Perth campus. That would be very exciting to have, have our alumni come in and visit. I know you've taken time out of a busy schedule, so we'd like to thank you for being on the Kaplan Community Podcast. Thank you, May, and I agree with Kieran. It's been a pleasure to have a conversation and get to know you better. Thank you, Kieran and Richard, who's really give me a chance to be, you know, to share my own experience. The Kaplan Community Podcast presents an opportunity to think about things differently by listening to a diversity of opinions from our Kaplan Business School alumni, Kieran Howard and me. Dr. Richard Stager. The podcast is published every Wednesday night. Search for the Kaplan Community Podcast on your favorite podcast player, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. We invite you to find out more about our guest speakers from our LinkedIn group. Search for the Kaplan Business School Alumni Community. Please rate each episode to help us reach more listeners.